do that today. Try and take advantage. <laughs> okay, we'll go ahead and get started. I uh, want to welcome everybody to our discipleship class. Happy Sabbath to each and every one. And thank you for joining us. And today we're on... We are on chapter 18 of the book Heaven by Ellen White. And we'll get before we get started with prayer, I wanted to let you know we're going to end a little bit early so that we can join the um, presentation about suicide prevention, which starts at four. Suicide prevention conference. Uh, so that would be very good. And we're on chapter 18. We're starting chapter 18 in the book Heaven by Ellen White. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you once again for a beautiful and blessed Sabbath day. We thank you for being with us, helping us, dear Lord, to understand your word and what you would have us to know about heaven and our soon coming uh, venture there. We ask for your Holy Spirit's blessing. Help us to keep our minds open to your Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, again, thanks for everyone joining. And we always enjoy everyone participating with your thoughts on what you've read this past week about chapter 18. Um, it starts out, it says, heaven in heart and home. Our Savior wants us to trust in him, believing his words so fully that we should bring heaven into our lives here below. How in the world can we bring heaven into our lives on this sinful earth? Any thoughts on that? How can we bring heaven into our lives here on earth? By the way, we treat each other. By the way, we treat each other. By the way, we speak talk to each other. Um, just being a kind person. Okay, through our thoughts, deeds, and actions, our interaction with one another. Alvina, you had a comment? It covers it, just the way we live, how we treat each other, how we live our lives, how we treat ourselves. Okay, ourselves too. I'm glad you mentioned that. Okay, and Mike, just jump in whatever thoughts you have. Okay, I was just uh, <clears throat> thinking about how we connect with God because um, oftentimes I try to do stuff on, in my own strength, but when I connect with God, I bring heaven down to earth with me, and Christ through me reconciles my family and friends, co-workers, neighbors back to him. Okay, great. Yeah, connecting with Christ uh, it says we can make heaven in our heart and home as we pass along if our lives are hid in Christ and God. So like you're saying, Mike, we got to connect with Christ. And as has, was mentioned also, the way we treat others, the way we treat ourselves, the thoughts that we live, our actions and our words, all of that can help bring joy and comfort into our lives as well as the lives of others. It says Christ's joy will remain in us and our joy will be full. So sometimes we get kind of 
thinking about this life on earth and it's some things happen that's kind of not good sad depressing whatever you want to call it but if we keep christ in our thoughts and in our mind then we can lift be lifted above that you know we can be lifted above that we don't bring christ down to us but he lifts us up to him through us keeping our thoughts and our mind on him it says uh the kingdom of god's grace is now being established as day by day hearts that have been full of sin and rebellion yield to the sovereignty of his love. So the kingdom of God's grace happens when we yield to his love. Just like today, we're blessed that three people recommitted or gave their lives to Christ, you know, and that is part of God's, the kingdom of God's grace being established through people yielding their lives to accept his lordship over them. That was truly a blessing. How else can the kingdom of God's grace be established? How else can God's grace be established? And of course, this world is full of sin and rebellion, but when we allow Christ to fill our thoughts and keep our minds stayed on him, then that's one way that his grace can be established in our minds and also in our hearts by allowing his spirit to lead us and guide us and to dwell within us. You know, it says Christ in you is the hope of glory. So when we allow Christ to live through us, that is Christ's grace, the kingdom of his grace being established. Any other comments on kingdom of grace? Lakita, you had a comment? Well, I was just thinking, um, um, also, as where she says, day by day, horses have been full of sin, rebellion, yield to the sovereignty of his love. You know, I was thinking about how when we um, are graceful towards others, and then, yes, even towards ourselves, being gracious, you know, towards other people and stuff, that's being especially more established in our heart as we practice uh, graciousness towards others. Okay. Practicing grace, graciousness to others is a good thing and to ourselves and that's that's allowing the kingdom to be a kingdom of grace to be established here but we know that the full kingdom the full establishment of the kingdom of god's glory will not take place until the second coming of jesus christ and it says then that the the most high the people of the saints of the most high shall inherit the kingdom prepared for them from the foundation of the world does that mean anything to you where it's the kingdom to know that the kingdom was prepared for us from the foundation of the world? Does that make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, it does. You know, um, it's, it's um, not like a second thought, you know. Um, God really wasn't thinking about us, but from the very beginning, his great love for us was that we should live and live well, you know, and in heaven with him. Okay. Any other thoughts? What is that? How does that make you feel to know the kingdom was prepared for us from the foundation of the world? Well, he knew we were failing. What'd you say? I knew we were going to mess up. You know, Adam and Eve were going to mess up. He had something already in place before that even happened. Mm-hmm. Isn't that, that's really amazing, isn't it? You know, nothing happens by chance with God. He knows the beginning from the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. So 
There are no surprises to him. There's nothing new under the sun to him. Uh, and the fact that he planned this whole thing, the salvation was planned from the foundation of the world. Our inheritance in the heavenly kingdom was planned from the foundation of the world. And like Lakita was saying, it's not just an afterthought. God didn't wake up one day and say, hey, you know what would be pretty cool? No, he had already planned it out. He'd already mapped it out. And so it makes me feel very confident that everything going on in my life, God already knows about. We had a good message today from the pastor, and he mentioned that uh, God knows he has a plan for each one of us. And um, if we allow his plans to be fulfilled in us, then we too can have a part in bringing that kingdom of grace to this world. So don't ever think God doesn't know. God knows everything about you. He knows everything about your situation. He knows everything about your family life. He knows your uh, what's bothering you. He knows what uh, little things are bothering you, what big things are bothering you. He knows about your job. He knows about your children, your parents. He knows everything from our smallest thought to the smallest um, desire of our hearts. God fully knows all those things. So if God knows all that, why does he ask us to come to him and in prayer or uh, to reason with him? Why does he want us to do that? So we can learn to trust in him for everything, to build our faith. And then to build what? Alvina, you broke up. Okay, so we can learn to trust in him and to build our faith. Great. And, okay. and, and I believe it's because we keep wandering away. You don't keep telling somebody to come to you if they're already there. We keep wandering <laughs> off. <laughs> Excellent point. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you it's like when you have children, you want a relationship with your kids. You know, you, I mean, especially when they become adults, you want to have a good conversation with them. You want to, you know, help support them the best way you can and you know, do some little nice things for them if you can afford to, you know, when they're on 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 uh, point, and they're, even when they're not on point, you just want to do good things and, and um, share your love with them. And that's how God is. He's like, he's our father. He wants to have a relationship with us, you know, all the time. He don't want us to just like, we get something good and then we like, so enthralled with the thing we got that we forgot all about him. He wants us to be like sharing it with us. Hey, with him, look at that. Thank you so much for what you did. I really like this. You know, like you get a new car, you got to touch this button and touch that button and share it with your friends. Look at what it can do here. You know, look at how this helps. And, you know, he just wants a relationship. Yeah, it's all about relationship, right? Uh, those of us who have children, think about how often would you want your children to call you? I know they don't do it, but... <laughs> How often would you like for your children to communicate with you and to talk to you? Would you want it once a month? Yeah. Once a year on Christmas and Easter? No. No, I would like to be like, you know, in daily communion, especially when you have mm -hmm. grandkids. You know, I don't want the next time, first thing I hear is a baby was born, next thing I know it's walking. You want to hear all those little steps in between. Yeah, you want daily communion with your children. You know, it would be so nice if our children would communicate with us daily, 
but you know, people get uh, to the point where they want to be individuals and they get out and do their own thing. That doesn't always happen. It doesn't take but a moment to communicate daily. And that's how Christ has been with us, a daily companion and a familiar friend. We would be in deep trouble if the Lord only communicated with us every other month. You know, we'd be in a real mess if he only took care of us every other week. But Christ is with us every single day, and he's a familiar friend to us. You know, if you've got uh, someone that you don't connect with on a consistent basis, you're not really building up a relationship. You know, relationships take time. They take effort. They take a will and desire to learn more about each other. So as Christ has been faithful, a faithful follower, or rather we're Christ's faithful followers, he is a daily companion and familiar friend to us. And that's how he wants us to be. Again, he knows everything, but still, as has been mentioned, he wants us to trust him. He wants us to know that he, he is dependable and that whenever we come to him, he has promised to answer every sincere prayer. Any other thoughts on daily companionship with Christ or relationship with him? On um, paragraph 168.2, it starts out, it says, the sweetest type of heaven. What does that paragraph talk about? The sweetest type of heaven. Anyone? It says home. Home should be made all that the word heaven implies. How in the world is our home going to be like heaven? As much, you know, that goes on in, in our homes with the turmoil and the issues of life and the problems and trials and things not going the way we want. How is it that home should be made all that he- the word heaven implies? Hello, everyone. Hello, Carol. Hi, everybody. My thought on that is that home is a place that when you come home, you find love no matter, you know, who you are. They love you unconditional. So I think that's how your home could be like heaven is because, you know, you know, when you come, come home, especially kids, when they come home from school. And I said, and you know, they just they, they feel relaxed. I'm finally at home, a place where I know I'm going to be loved and I'm not going to be judged and criticized, but I'm going to be loved just for who I am. Amen. Beautiful. Anyone else? Lakita, you had a comment? Yeah, I think it's real. That's a, um, what Patsy says. Very, very, this is so important. You know, sometimes we, you know, as parents don't realize when children are growing up being really harsh, we don't realize that we're standing in the place of God. And then everybody be talking about how God loves, you know, love us. And the kids don't see it because the parents are so harsh, so mean. You know, how many parents I've heard say, you know, they had their kids in church school. They was in church every day. Kids participate in Pathfinder. Well, what was the missing thing? You know, the church did what it does. The church school did what it does. And, you know, so what was missing? And so you have to start looking. We have to start looking at these homes and, um, you know, we say we're Christians, but, you know, home is where we should really demonstrate that. And then, you know, this is something that really bothers me is how people are so nice to church members, to each other, so nice. 
hugging, kissing, all nice and friendly, <laughs> smiling. And then they get home and they like hell on two feet. It's terrible, you know, fussing, complaining, you know, snapping at the, each other and just just not kind. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's just so phony and fake. And then the kids, they see that stuff. You know, they really mm-hmm. see that. Young people see that stuff. And and I'm surprised. Some sometimes I see people, young people in church. I'm really surprised how they made it. So it's very important that what we do at home is snapping at each other and you know being mean. My mom used to say, "All begins at home, and then it spreads out abroad." You know what you do at home eventually is going to be acted upon in the church. Now it probably won't be acted upon on the Sabbath. So the other places are in the board meetings and in the um. And then the business meetings, if we haven't cultivated kindness at home, all that's going to come right out, right out in those meetings. Hmm. Christians, aren't, uh, Christians aren't mean at home, are they? Christians are mean at home. <laughs> and then there are some yeah. Christians that's, you know, like all these people who call themselves, you know, Christians, and they just can't stand this type of person, don't like Black people, don't like those people. You know, that's not a Christian. That's not, that's, uh, you know, that's, there's nothing, there's nothing about Christ in that, you know. Mm-mm. It's so easy to be mean to people we, you know, don't look like us, et cetera, et cetera. But that's really just because you're a mean person. It's not mm. because the other person has melanin in their skin or, you know, they want to get an abortion or whatever. It's because you're just a mean person. Yeah, mercy. Why is, why is it that, that slogan, why does that slogan say you always hurt the one you love? Because you're scared of getting your butt kicked by somebody out there in the street. You know? Hello. <laughs> Hello. Gonna put up with you, you know. They can be themselves. Yeah. Let you know, the head down, let the wig down. And furthermore, <laughs> if you're hurting people intentionally, you don't love that person. You love yourself. You put yourself above everything else mm-hmm. and everybody else. I'm mad, so I'm going to hit you, right? Mm-hmm. What's that about? Have mercy. I like what uh, Patsy said, unconditional love. I think that's big thing, you know, we're missing in our families. Hey, this is my uh, spouse. This is my mom or dad or sister or brother or children. There should be some unconditional love that I love you no matter what, you know, but that tends to be missing from our homes. And like Lakita's saying, instead of love, we end up having hatred and uh, despair and arguments and fussing and fighting. You know, one thing that I've notice is that sometimes as family members, we grow apart from each other, the very people that we grew up with for 16, 17, 18 years of our lives. And then we just go out and kind of find new friends and drop the old. You know, why do we do that? Why can't we still love our immediate families and still have other friends? Because of, you know, real, just being honest about some of the immediate family that you're talking about, love wasn't demonstrated, you know, you go out, you go out, and sometimes people will treat you much better than your own family did. And I will say this, that goes for church family members too. You know, sometimes you go out and you run into, I mean, I'm just like amazed sometimes at, at people who do not profess Christ at all, don't go to church at all, but they are, you know, appear to be genuinely kind people, thoughtful, thinking about other people out there trying to make a difference for poor people or whatever little, you know, stuff that they're doing. And, and then I'm going to say this too. I'm going to be quiet maybe. But, uh, <laughs> you know, one thing I've been thinking about is the lavishing love upon the Lord. 
you know, lavish, lavish your love upon him. When we take these offices, and I know I'm a stewardship leader, so I'm saying this too. When we take these offices and then we don't do nothing with them, that is really an abomination for real. You know, I, I have been trying to hold back and not say stuff, but it's an abomination. God expects you to, you say you're going to do it, do it. Or don't do it. Don't, don't say you're going to do it. Because he's holding you accountable for that. And it's kind of like if your husband say, oh, I'm going to give you, you know, I'm going to um, buy you a car because your car is broken down and stuff. So I'm going to get you this car. Then you go out and buy a nice car and trade his in, and then he gets it for himself, and you're still in the same spot. That's pretty much what we say to God. I'm going to do this, Lord, for you. But then we keep, you know, doing what we're doing for ourselves and keep begging God for more. It's, it's a mess. Anyway, I don't think that has anything to do with it. Go ahead. I kind of agree with Lakita, but I also think in the home, there should be, like God gives us a responsibility. He says, go and teach, you know, as far as witnessing, you know, to people. In the home, there should be a responsibility for each and every person, even the little ones. They should have something at home. That they can, that you know, uh, let me give you an example, like the like my mom would always say, if you slept in that bed, it's your responsibility to get up in the morning and make it before you get down here for breakfast. So, you know, with, with our children, we have to teach them also, you have a responsibility in the home, and, when it, and, and then we teach them about the love of God. As parents, we tell them, I have a responsibility because God gave you to me as a gift to make sure that you are physically and mentally healthy and learn about who God is. So each person has a piece of that puzzle when it comes to a home and it can't just be for the parents. And I, you, there's some very good parents out here. They work on themselves to death when these kids are old enough to take on responsibilities that, and, and, and I know everybody's child can't cook, but you can say, you know, before <laughs> I get home, I would like for you to put, some hot water on and, you know, or whatever, you know, teach these kids, even at an early age, you have some responsibility to help run this home. I, I, completely, um, I completely agree with that. And in my opinion, that's a form of love, teaching children to be self-sufficient and, you know, independent, capable of thinking, capable of resolving problems for themselves is definitely, you know, a form it's, it's love and compassion, but it's how you do it that's critical. You know, if you're going to say, get your A over there and clean up that blankety blank, you know, okay, we just undid all the stuff that we tried to do when we were talking about God a few minutes ago. You know, amen. Amen. How you get them to do the things. And, and when we're not relying on God, like, Lord, you know, I swear to you, this child is super lazy. We're talking to God in our minds with the Lord, not to the child, calling him super lazy. Show me how to motivate him. Show me what to say, what to do. Help me to keep my words straight so that I won't ruin his relationship with you because children looking at you, you're an authoritative person. And if they associate fear, anxiety, sadness, and humiliation and shame with authoritative people, they're almost not good for anything in this life. They're gonna have a supervisor, they're gonna have teachers, you know, they need to be able to associate love and loving kindness with authoritative people and God. You know, they need to be able to associate that. 
One thing too is uh, verse train up, a, train up a child in the way they should go. That's in a spiritual manner, but also in all other areas of life. The scripture says Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and man. So that's physically, uh, spiritually, socially, and in all other forms. So we don't want to just limit that training to just taking the kids to church and reading the Sabbath school lesson, but also teaching them how to take care of a home, teaching them how to take care of themselves, teaching them how to take care of the environment. All those different things need to be taught to children so that they can grow up to be a good, confident, um, positive force in this world. I think Andre, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about how um, not so much in the house, but also outside the house, take care of mm-hmm. your yard. So uh, I remember when we were growing up, the kids were growing up, Hanky asked me if I was going to pay him to rake the backyard, rake the lead. <laughs> I said, well, I don't think anybody's paying me to do stuff around this house. I said, how, how are you able to go in the refrigerator and get food out? You didn't, you didn't put it in there and you didn't pay for it. So why, why should we be allowing you to, or why should we even be cooking for you? I said, you know why? Because this is your house too. It's not just my house and your mother's house. This is your house too. So what are you going to do to contribute to the things that come in this house and things that you can take advantage of as far as food and being able to take a bath and being able mm-hmm. to wash and use the bathroom? How, how, how are you able to do these things? What did the he way, say? I, he just stood there. I said, the way you're able to do How long did he stand there? He stood there for two seconds because I knew he didn't have an answer for me, Alvina. So, so I said, this is how you're able to go through this house. This is how you're able to have a key and be able to go in and out of this house and lay in beds in your bedroom and go in the refrigerator and get something cold to drink because you're, you're, you're sweeping up the floor. You're, you're mopping the floor or you're raking the leaves and you're doing stuff around this house like everybody else is. Because this is your house too. Mm-hmm. So don't just sit back and think that you're doing this for me. No, you're doing this for you. Your your yard could look nice. Your, yeah. your kitchen floor looks nice. This is your house. So everybody's got a part to play in. And this is your part. We're doing the bigger part. You can do some of the smaller parts. But we're all able to live here in harmony and in peace together. Because everybody's pulling their own weight. Oh, the family for a reason, right? Right. Paula, did you have a comment? Yeah, um, I was uh, listening to Andre. I was like, that's the difference in generation. Because in the Gathright household, since I don't have kids, I always have to draw on my own childhood. My parents let us know, y'all won't have a house, we just let you stay here. So <laughs> it was a whole different thing. <laughs> And we had responsibility. We had responsibility early. So those conversations never had to be had by the time we were teenagers or preteens because by then it's too late. But my father used to always tell us the story that his father, they, of course, rural Mississippi, we talking like 1930-something, um, he and his brothers had to go out. They didn't have grass. They just had, they didn't have lawns. They just had a dirt yard. Their parents make them go out there and sweep the dirt. Is the whole point to teach them responsibility <laughs> and to have a buy-in and to respect what you do have. 
Mm-hmm. Amen. And they pass that down to us. Like I said, if you don't have grass to touch, go out there and sweep that dirt. If, yeah. if, if it, they don't have skin in the game and you got to teach it early, you know, they're never going to respect anything. Not, I mean, from there or when they get out in the world, because nobody's going to give you anything. Amen. All excellent points. In fact, we was watching a documentary the other day about some people and I think they were either in Africa or maybe Haiti and they had dirt floor in their little uh, house. It was a one room house, dirt floor, dirt walls. But the lady was sweeping the dirt, like you said, Paula, and the kids was picking up sticks off of the floor. So that, like you said, I like the word buy in. Hey, this is our house. You know, we all live here. We're all trying to make this house a home by working together and doing, uh, having a common goal of making this the happiest place on earth. In fact, on paragraph uh, 168.4, and we'll close with this. We got to close early. 168.4 says, a pleasant, cheerful home can be heaven on earth. Parents, make your home a little heaven on earth. You can do this if you choose. So it's a choice we have to make to make our homes pleasant and cheerful so much that it'll be the most attractive place on earth to your children. So we have a goal of making our home so pleasant and cheerful that our kids want to be there. Our children love being at home. And if everybody did that, there wouldn't be so many kids getting hung out with gangs, you know, trying to join gangs and trying to be out on the street corner because they enjoy being at home with their loving, kind-hearted family Uh, thinking about Christ, thinking positive thoughts, and trying to be a positive force in the world. But it's a choice that has to be made, you know, by the parents as well as by all the um, members of the household. Uh, Some final thoughts before we close up. Go ahead, Patsy. You are so right, because I said as we grew up, we we never could understand. We was the poorest family in our mind because everybody else had, you know, their homes had you know, beautiful furniture and they had big, you know, they had color TVs and stuff, but they always wanted to hang out at our house and my mother would let them in and my dad and them would be sitting there. And I, and I, we was like, why y'all keep coming over here? Why don't y'all stay home? And they was like, we love being at y'all house. Y'all got books and stuff. And we was like, but y'all got TVs and we would name the stuff that they have. And it just seemed like those kids wasn't, they was like, we're much happier at your mama and y'all's house because, you know, we get to eat and we get to read. And I mean, we used to feel like, you know, why these kids don't go home? <laughs> Isn't that true? You know, it makes a difference when you're in a peaceful, loving environment as opposed to one that's chaotic and you don't know what's going to happen next. You know, I, I know when I was growing up, I couldn't stand being in a chaotic environment. I still can't because I don't like to feel like something's about to jump off at any second. You know, I just prefer peace and quiet and people around me that love me and care for me. Um, we have to close out early today. I think Lakita just sent everybody. Did you send everybody? The... Mm-hmm. Okay. It's on there. Oh, okay, yeah. So we're going to close out so Lakita can get going on her uh, pre- suicide prevention workshop. And uh, hopefully everybody can join in. What's the um, link to that? I think she sent everybody the link. Yeah, you guys yeah, have mine. Uh, well, I, mine hasn't been coming through whatever she's been sending because I didn't get the uh, message from last week that we weren't going to have class. So 
So Paula G was nice enough to call and let me know. Look on your phone so now, Pastor. Just in it. And Mike, I'll send you a, a, the information about the suicide prevention workshop coming up at four. Uh, so you do you all have it on your phone? I sent it to the group message. No, I got it mine. didn't come through on mine. Okay, let me see, Pat. I'm probably gonna try to send yours email. Did you get Patsy's number six three nine? Okay. Oh, yeah, she's in my phone. Okay. Well, hold on. Yeah, she tried to send it and it didn't come through. Okay, she'll resend it. But we'll uh, go ahead and close out. Karen, what's uh, next week chapter we're on? Uh, 88 in Testimonies for the Church, Volume 1. Test Testimonies, Volume 1, Chapter 88 mm -hmm. for next week. Okay. Let's close out with a word of prayer, and then we'll uh, hopefully see you guys on the suicide prevention workshop. Dear Lord, we thank you so much again for blessing us to take time out to learn more of thee. We thank you for the words of encouragement. Help us to make our homes a little bit of heaven and help us to be cheerful and upbeat and kind and loving to everyone that comes within our doors. Bless us, dear Lord, to do thy precious will. In the blessed name of Jesus, we thank you. Amen. All right, Amen. we'll see you guys in a few minutes, so Amen. we'll see you next week. Thanks right. for joining. Amen. Bye, Karen, All right. you did well. <laughs>